Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., this is a podcast from Minute Media. When I was at the GM meetings in California a few weeks ago, I asked Scott Boris uh, about Scherzer vetoing trades in New York, and he said to me, it's not about geography for Max. Max just wants to win. Uh, so what the Mets had to do, in addition to offering this historic deal that I, even if they were the worst team in baseball, would be hard to turn down that kind of money. But they, Scherzer does want to win, and they had to convince him of the kind of culture they were bringing. So Steve Cohen had to be a salesman for what he wanted to do here and what he's trying to build and how quickly he's trying to build it in New York. Uh, so Cohen got involved in this personally. Uh, Cohen's wife, Alex Cohen, who's on the Mets board, part owner of the Mets, got involved in this personally, speaking to Scherzer, speaking to Scherzer's wife, speaking to family members, uh, selling them on their vision, selling them on even the convenience of Scherzer lives in Jupiter, Florida, which is about a half an hour from where the Mets have spring training. And all those kinds of details to talk through and have that kind of one-on-one. Uh, so Steve Cohen did not just close this deal with his sizable checkbook. He closed this deal personally, too, as a salesman for himself, for what the Mets and Sandy Alderson and Billy Epler are able to offer Scherzer culture-wise. All of a sudden, things have changed. We went from from uh, all of those, no one wants to take the job, to finally hiring a guy like Billy Epler, and then Billy Epler negotiating four potentially for three for sure big deals that changes the clubhouse chemistry changes your offense 
and then on the on the on the cusp of signing Max Scherzer, who, by the way, if you were going to sign one pitcher, I know he's at 37 years old, but if you want to have a guy in your organization that is emblematic of of who you want to be to like the, all everything the the entire package of intensity uh, and uh, Hall of Fame uh, resume type of guy that you want, like work ethic, all of those things mixed in once, Max Scherzer. So uh, the fact that the Mets look like they're going to get him is, I got to tell you, as we've talked about a lot, it's a bit surprising uh, and a huge deal for them. All of a sudden things have changed. We went from from uh, all of those, no one wants to take the job, to finally hiring a guy like Billy Epler, and then Billy Epler negotiating four, potentially four, three for sure, big deals that changes the clubhouse chemistry changes your offense and then on the on the on the cusp of signing max scherzer who by the way if you were going to sign one pitcher i know he's at 37 years old but if you want to have a guy in your organization that is emblematic of of who you want to be to like all everything the the entire package of intensity uh and uh, hall of fame uh, resume type of guy that you want like work ethic all of those things mixed in once max scherzer so uh the fact that the mets look like they're going to get him is i got to tell you as we've talked about a lot it's a bit surprising uh and a huge deal for them It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Tuesday, November the 30th, 2021. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com, and check out our friends over at Fansided, as we are part of the Fansided Podcasting Network, and check out the good folks over at RisingApple.com. Well, we're not going to wait till Sunday after a wild 48 hours, another wild 48 hours in the world of the Mets, and look, you heard, you all know what happened, I don't have to tell you, you're not here to get the news, you heard... The reaction from Andy Martino of SNY giving you a little insight as to how the Mets got the deal done. And then you heard from former Mets GM who is on SNY as well as MLB Network Radio, Jim Duquette, really with a lot of shock report the impact of Max Scherzer coming to the Mets. But when you have an organization that has this yoke, which I've talked about around their neck, that has not won a championship in 36 years, and has had some really good moments, but really crushing postseason defeats, and over the last decade has been connected to an historic Ponzi scheme, has had not one, but two, three different managers over the course of a couple of years, going through, what, four GMs, had the three-headed GM, then they had uh, Brody Van Wagenen, 
and then Brody left, and they had Jared Porter for a minute, and then they had Zach Scott, and then Sandy Alderson, and all the stuff that's gone on, the ownership change. When you have all that coming at you, I love how everybody talks about, well, the Mets need to change their culture. Sometimes things happen because there's those thunderbolts, and it's not as simple as just going out there, snapping fingers, hiring an analytics team, getting good people, vetting process, all these nice corporate buzzwords that somehow have made their way into the media. And, uh, you know, they're the consultants of good behavior and good organizational building. No one's built anything in the media, but they're the, you know, bearers of how you do things. In order to, you want to use the word curse or dark cloud or bad energy, whatever you want to go with, in order to change that, you have to do something dynamic. You have to do something really above and beyond. And and anytime you do something like that, it's a risk. Now, you heard a couple of days ago my feelings on the direction the Mets should go. We knew the Mets had money. They needed about $100 million AAV to go out there and basically field a competitive team in 2022. So far, they gave, and that's just for, that's average annual value. They gave 10 of it to Escobar. They gave another 20 to Marte. That's 30. They gave another 12 or so to Canna. That's 42. And now they just gave that plus another million to Max Scherzer. And that's, you know, up around 85. And you still have some pitching holes. Love to see another bat. Love to see a bullpen. So my desire was to go a little bit more, hey, if you're going to give $43 bucks to a Max Scherzer, and there's a lot of good here, but there's, there's some stuff to worry about. Why don't you do it by going and bringing back Javi Baez, who signed with the Tigers last night, and trying to go get Kevin Gosman, who can be, potentially, another version of Zach Wheeler. A guy that's had some issues throughout his career, maybe has underperformed, but is starting to bring it together and you get him on a five-year deal, and it turned out to be very reasonable, about, what, 110, 115? Uh, that's less than what Zach Wheeler got from the Phillies, and it's not a huge, huge commitment, albeit it could be bad. It could be Jeff Smarge. It could be Johnny Cueto. It could be all those kind of bad deals. But at some point, if it's the owner's money, you know, you got to take a risk. The owner said, no, 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 that's, that's too conservative. We need to change the perception of this team because I'm tired of hearing that nobody wants to work here. I'm tired of agents shopping my offers to somebody else. I'm tired of hearing about how the Mets are LOL Mets. And he went out there and he sat down, he brought his wife in, and he did what he has to do in the real world, which a lot of people who cover sports don't get, is Steve Cohen didn't become a billionaire 14, 15, how many billions he has times over by sitting back and getting lucky and looking at just numbers on a, on a spreadsheet. You had to sell. When you have other people's money and you invest other people's money and you invest it in a big time way, he's not taking a Christmas club here and investing grandma's savings and getting, you know, one and a half percent interest. He's taking big money and getting big returns. You have to be able to sell people on that. And you have to be able to go really hard on the pitch. And that's exactly what he and his wife did, not only to Max Scherzer, but Max Scherzer's wife. Because when it's all said and done, the numbers are, I mean, I think Max Scherzer, union guy, wants to get the highest AAV, set a record. I can't imagine the Dodgers or if the Angels were in, we'll find out as the days go on, 
really what went down. How much how much less could it have been? What, six million, seven million, eight million? Do you really think his his life's changing for that? Now he's gonna take it because it's still eight million dollars. It's still money that you don't want to leave on the table. That's human nature. But if it really was a bad place to come and the Mets were not the team that he wants to be with as the coup de grace of his career, a team that could compete and win and be historic, you think he's going to uh, go there for $8 million more? There's a way to bridge the gap with the other competitors that were there, whether it be Texas, who knows? So you saw what the Mets have been lacking for a while. You saw what I thought Brody Van Wagen had to bring because the Wilpons were not dynamic people. I mean, I heard they're very good people. They're very, you know, family-oriented, folksy maybe. Not more Fred than Jeff. But I don't know if Jeff and Fred, I certainly don't think Jeff, could sit down and really bring the, the bacon home like a Steve Cohen did. And this has been said by, it was talked about by Steve Phillips yesterday on uh, on his program on MLB Network Radio. When you get to the level of contract that Max Scherzer received, that goes to the owner. It's not just the GM. Now, I laugh because Phillips says, I used to tell the Wilpons, you know, you got to stay out of it. You got to stay out of it because, you know, I, w- I don't want the, o- the the GMs going to you. Well, I hate to invoke the name of George Steinbrenner. George Steinbrenner a lot of times would get involved and personally go see people and make deals happen because hearing from the guy that signs the paychecks, seeing the passion and the care of that guy means a lot means a lot in any business and you have that now and you have it at a time where he's basically saying look i know these are bad in a vacuum some of these deals and very risky and long term do i want to have a 280 to 300 million dollar payroll with inflation of contracts and such maybe that's going to be the norm for very wealthy teams but he's going to want them and he's going to demand of them and i'm sure that is going to be an ongoing thing to build up their infrastructure, not just have an analytics department. What are you getting out of it? What kind of value equation are you getting out of that? How can we build up this farm system and take what seems to be a really good scouting team with Tommy Tanis and guys that have done some nice things in drafts and taken some risks? And can we start developing some of these guys so that we can maybe have a middle reliever that makes closer to the minimum contributing in a big league way? which they've never really had. I mean, you know, you start there. Start small, right? Obviously, you want to start to develop your own stars. So while that's going on, he's playing checkbook baseball, and he wants to compete and win and generate excitement. Now, just because you get excited the week after Thanksgiving about all these moves and you have plenty of good cheer in your hearts on uh, the long holiday break about the Mets doesn't mean that's going to translate to any good feelings when it really counts on the 4th of July. And things could go horribly bad. But the perception of the Mets has changed. And don't be surprised, similar to the Yankees, where players start to say, hey, not that they're going to take less to come here, but they'll find a way to get creative with their contracts. Or if they want a pillow contract, they'll try to do it with the Mets. Or if they're a veteran that doesn't necessarily want to not start, but will take a back seat and get less at-bats for a contender, like a Tim Raines did with the Yankees, or a Cecil Fielder. They'll want to come here. And let's remember, everybody laughed at Steve Cohen just a week ago. Oh, nobody ever wants to come here. Look how look how we can't close a deal with Steve and Matz. Does everybody forget history in this in this town about how George Steinbrenner couldn't land not one but two big fish in the winter of 1992 and 1993 when he wanted both Barry Bonds and Greg Maddox and he didn't get either one of them and he thought he had Maddox locked up? And he went out and he got Boggs and Mike Gallego 
so on and so forth. And he started to build a nice little plucky team. And then all of a sudden, it all comes together with guys like David Cohn. Of course, they bring in Paul O'Neill, Dino Martinez. And then they had the core four, core three, core five, whatever it is. And away you go as you go into the 90s and the turn of the century. He had the same problems. That, every team. You know how the culture changed with the Yankees? 1995, when they made the wild card. And everybody sat and watched that great series and said, that's a fun place to play. That's a team that has something going on. Winning. Yes, Buck Showalter cleaned it up. And I've read the books. And it's a great blueprint of how to have an organization. Winning changed. This is the culture. And Steve Cohen knows that. And he knows no matter you could have 150 analytics people in that department. You could have the best farm system and have all these writers glow about your process. You could have the best minds from whatever organization working in your front office. If you don't win, the culture stinks. And the culture was absolutely 100% fine at City Field for about 100 days last year when they were in first place. And all of a sudden, after July 31st, it went downhill. Why? They lost. Nobody likes failing and you get to see and and character gets revealed when people fail so let's go to the good and the bad of this from the good standpoint Mets are players now I mean Ron Darling even compared it to the Gary Carter deal I've seen some people compare it to the Keith Hernandez deal I don't know if I'm ready to say that but whatever the dark cloud is the years of failure the yoke around this team's neck that just like the 2000 Red Sox Right now, Max Scherz is brought in here to say, hey, bring that competitiveness. Bring that championship ring. Bring that desire. Show them how it's done. When they need a big win, go out there and give them seven innings and one-run ball. When the bases are loaded and there's two outs and you're on your last leg, you don't want to hand it over to a middle reliever. That's what Max Scherzer brings. You can't argue with the resume. You've seen it up close as Mets fans. I still remember one of the first times I I knew Max Scherzer was a real bad you-know-what. Season was over. The Mets had blown past the Nats. And it was a meaningless three-game series at Citi Field. A series that, just a few weeks earlier, many thought would have decided the National League East race in 2015. And what does Max Scherzer do in the second game of a doubleheader on a night where he could have went five in flight, put some numbers in, and went home for the season? Strikes out 17 batters and no hits the Mets. And he was he was angry that night. It was almost like he was out there, you know, I got to show that his team like how pissed I am that we're not, it's not us that are playing out the, this weekend series and getting ready for the, the postseason. Because he felt that, and to a large degree he was probably right, that the 2015 Mets weren't ready and they were inferior. That's what the Mets need. They need that kind of player. And they've got that player now. Now, this is not about numbers and sitting here and glowing about his Cy Youngs. And we know how good this player could be. And really, right now, the Mets have put a blueprint out. They want to be the 2001 Arizona Diamondbacks with Randy Johnson and Curt Schilling. But they have DeGrom and Scherzer. And those two guys brought a championship home. They had a really good run there for about two, three years in Arizona. And then they got traded because the team got old quick because everything was checkbook baseball. Luis Gonzalez and Matt Williams and Mark Grace and so on and so on and so forth. And they had to rebuild. and and But but they have that championship. And that's what the Mets need. They need that championship to get going or that, that team to get going. 
And with the Mets, unlike maybe the D-backs back then, they're trying to build a foundation like the Dodgers where then they'll have chances every year to win, not just when they go out and make a big signing or spend eight, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. They're trying to be the 97 Marlins. They're, in a lot of ways, they're like the Orioles of the mid-90s when Peter Angelos actually spent money and brought in Paul Marrow and David Wells and Bobby Bonilla and, and tried to spend his way past the Yankees. It's been done before. We've forgotten that there's more than one way to win. Building it up like the Cubs and the Astros and having a process, which everybody likes to talk about, not the only way to win. As a matter of fact, it was never really the way the Yankees won after they had their core players. Every year was like, let's go get Roger Clemens. Let's go get Jason Giambi. Oh, let's go get A-Rod. Nobody complained back then. It was fun, and it's fun. Is it sustainable? No. This kind of spending is fun, but it's not sustainable. We all know that. But enjoy it, because right now the owner's got a new toy. The owner wants to win. He wants to get himself into the club and into the hearts and minds of the fan base in a big way. Now, can this go bad? Sure. Look, guys, I'm not going to be the one to throw cold water on you. But I am, because I have to, because it, this is not a fanboy show. The age is a red flag. That's the obvious one. He had back and neck injuries back all the way to the 2019 run with the Nationals. He missed the World Series start that year. Talked about being tired. In the postseason this year. I talked about this on Sunday when I said why I would have stayed away. And two days ago, I still thought he was being used. The Mets were being used to get a better deal out of L.A. And maybe that was the original plan. And it changed with Cohen's sales pitch. But uh, I didn't want to waste time, lose out on other options for a guy that didn't want to play here. That is that kind of risk. Now that it was more realistic, you got to look at and say, hey, in this time where this team is, they have to take this risk. Because if it goes bad, well, you know, you swung big. But missing postseason starts, not being able to go five innings in, you know, two starts, wild card game, game against the Braves. I mean, those are the kind of games, those are the kind of teams that that $43.5 or whatever he's getting, that's really what you're paying for. I could get anybody to go out. I could get Joey Lucchese. I could get Taiwan Walker to go out and throw seven scoreless innings against the Pirates in June. I don't need Max Scherzer to do that. You need it when it counts the most. It takes a tremendous amount of pressure off of DeGrom because DeGrom has set such a bar. And the injury and everything. I mean, last year, he'll never do what he did last year again. I mean, that was a career season. I know how consistent he's been with his release point. I see all the graphs. But the bar, forget about a Cy Young bar. This guy put a video game bar up there. And anything he does that's not that, everyone's going to say, well, he's not the same pitcher. Even though he's really, really good. And maybe Cy Young good. So this at least balances it out. I think it's important to do that. And I said the Mets were a tournament team last year with DeGrom because you'd have to face him twice in a postseason series. They are a big-time tournament team with DeGrom and Scherzer. Even though I don't think those guys in a five-game series could start you know, four to five games. I don't think there'll be enough space in between days off. You certainly are going to get them. In a decisive game five, you're probably, depending on how it lines up, going to have to get through both of them in that game. One will pitch six innings, one will pitch three, or maybe they balance it out and go four and a half and four and a half, whatever it may be. Not a prospect that any team, the Braves, the Dodgers, the Giants, whoever, 
American League team. They don't want to see that. Just like the Diamondbacks did against the Yankees with Randy Johnson and Curt Schilling. No different. We've seen it before. And it can lead to great things. And I think it'll be a lot of fun. But does not come without risk. And I don't want to be the, the bearer of bad news, but just go to... And it, ha- it it won't come out now, because that now is the praise and the setup. The media will do it after something bad happens and say, well, you know, he did miss that start in the World Series for the Nats, and he was tired last year, and he's 36, and he's got tons of miles now since his Nationals contract. Well, I told you that before. Just like I warned everybody about Lindor and the contract, and maybe we don't have to get married so quick. And But... This owner, just like with Lindor, wants to make a splash. He wants to change the perception of the franchise. And to a large degree, that's where I have to change my mindset because I'm still thinking, hey, we're the Mets. We have a lot to offer with this nice blue-collar franchise. I know this for a fact. Steve Cohen wants to be a diamond gem of a franchise. He wants Wall Street to come just like they used to come to the Yankees games. Not that he's pushing back on the average fan. And we talked about this to a, to a, for a while, actually, on the panel on Sunday. The old-school blue-collar fans that grew up, some of them watching George Theodore and Dave Kingman and living through the lean years in the late 70s, or even Mets fans that are from my generation that remember Joe Orsalak and Rico Bronia and a little plucky 97 Mets team under Bobby Valentine. And rooted for, uh, you know, Anthony Rucker as the catcher. Just throwing that name out because he's on SNY every night. I'm not thinking that's the kind of team that he... He's not going to not embrace the history because he will. He wants there to be a higher level of expectation and a fan base that's more corporate, more Wall Street, more money to spend. Because ultimately the money to spend is where he'll be able to stay at the top of the food chain in MLB. And that's the world that he's in. Look, he's buying $150 million pieces of art. He's not hanging out with, like, like Fred Wilpon used to talk about getting the brown paper bag with the lunch and sitting in the bleachers at Ebbets Field. It's not what Steve Cohen's about. Fred Wilpon was a guy that was a real estate guy and probably wasn't rich enough to own a baseball team as time went on, but he used to take the Long Island Railroad to work just like you and I would do. Maybe Steve Cohen did that at one point, but he hasn't done that in a long, long time. That's not who you got here. And I think you've got George Steinbrenner, but a George Steinbrenner that may not have that crazy gear, but certainly has that gear where he wants to go out there and demand a lot, expect a lot, and make a big play and win that back page. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with winning that back page as long as that back page in November doesn't prevent you from building the rest of the roster. And believe me, here we stand on November 30th and we're staring down the barrel of a lockout in, what, 24 hours? Maybe slightly more. I come to you early on Tuesday morning. This team still has needs. It still has needs. Uh, I I know Javi Baez signed with the Tigers. I don't know what the AAV is on that. It's a six-year deal, it appears. Probably $30 million a year. I know once they got Scherzer, that was a push. I was hoping they could find a way to bridge the gap. They need another starter. They're looking at the uh, the, the lefty from Seattle, Kikuchi, who has some upside but has been a below-league average pitcher. I mean, right now, Taiwan Walker's number three, which isn't bad, 
but you're going to still rely on the back end of the rotation of the McGills, the Petersons, an injury, an injured Carrasco who hasn't pitched consistently for, what, three years now? Lucchese coming back. Trevor Williams, who has some potential, but you got a lot of fives in there, a lot of games where you still might have problems. And Scherzer and DeGrom could only pitch two out of every five days and, by the way, might need some breaks because of their age and their workload. So there's more work to be done. They need a bullpen. They need to be able to uh, bring some guys out that could get outs in the 7th, 8th, or ninth inning. I mean, they got Diaz. They got May. They got Lugo. All three of those guys were not perfect. Their best reliever went to Anaheim. So you got some work to do. How much money do you have left to spend to do it? That I don't know. And that's another conversation for another day. We could talk about the trade market. We could talk about now that Jeff McNeil looks like he's back in play as the second baseman because he's a fascinating topic of conversation because he's starting to get polarizing. There's supposed to be some polarizing talk about him. But today is about Max Scherzer. It's about this owner putting everybody on notice that he will go to any length to get the guy he wants that he believes will bring this team to the promised land, that will put this team on the map in this town. Do you understand he's done what no other, I think, owner on any other sport in this town has done? Is put the Yankees firmly on the back burner. Now, the Yankees themselves, not spending, have contributed to it and made it, maybe made it easy. But think about that. The Yankees are being talked about like they're the Mets. How does it, you know, you know, I compared Hal Steinbrenner to M. Donald Grant yesterday, which is unfair. Cashman getting roasted. Never seen those kind of things. Sager going somewhere. Yankees nowhere to be found. So there's still a lot to do. I still think they need some more offense. Be interesting how the DH and Cano and McNeil and this whole second base thing pans out now that Baez is gone. But the Mets have their ace and they have their competitor and they have this guy that Brings a ring into that clubhouse. Something that none of the guys who've been here a while have. Even though some of them went to the World Series and there's less and less of them since 2015. The longer and further away 2015 goes into the rearview mirror. It's been a long while now. It's been over six years. It'll be seven years. Time to move on, like I said the other day. And Max Scherzer is a new era of Mets baseball. It's checkbook baseball, no doubt about it. And it's mercenary. And we're not used to that to a large degree as Mets fans. Because anytime there's been that checkbook move, Piazza... He stayed. Beltran was here a while. Delgado was here, even though you know he came for a little bit, but he was here for a few years. This might be a couple of years and done. Might be a championship and out. Are you going to regret? Is it going to feel any less sweeter? Is it, it? Every team has different different types of teams in their history. Not every team is the process. I know everybody wants the process because the process feels good because it's the. The sports struggle, starting from nothing and and total embarrassment to championship and riches. It's once upon a time in Queens. Well, maybe once upon a time in Queens is here and gone and win like the D-backs, like the Marlins. And you build. And remember one thing: you get a generation of fans that start to fall in love with you. It's good for business. Look at the '95, '96 Yankees. Those were not teams that were expected to win. Made some moves. Won. And it snowballed into a beautiful thing. And a generation of young people said, Dow Strawberry Mets, who? No, Dow Strawberry's a Yankee. Doc Gooden Mets, Cy Young, who? No, Doc Gooden's a Yankee. Yankees were cool. 
Yankee Stadium was cool. Shea Stadium was a dump. Five years earlier, it was the other way around. Nobody wanted to go to the Bronx. It wasn't safe. Nobody cared anymore. The Bronx didn't change very much from 91 to 96. The trains were still unsafe. I know there was a change in policy in New York. That's a whole other thing. But it took a long while before the city got really, really safe. Didn't matter. They still went to Yankee Stadium. They still went to playoff games. They still got out of there at midnight, 12.30, 1 a.m. and went home. And they didn't care because the Yankees won. It'll be the same thing at City Field. The dump across the street, the, the chop shops that aren't there anymore, nobody cares when the team wins. And guess what? If they win and they win big, all of a sudden, with the right politician that wants to be seen and get reelected, all of a sudden there'll be hotels and restaurants and a plaza across the street. And 15 years from now, it'll be like, right, remember that? Remember when the Mets were just that, you know, plucky little team that nobody wanted to sign with? Oh, yeah. And you know what? The media will go right along and they'll be right on the bandwagon. Just goes to show you who you could trust and whose analysis you could trust. And who's just along for clicks? Been telling you that for a while, and I think you guys see it now more than ever. More than ever, people see it. So, Mad Max, Max Scherzer's a Met. Bold move. More to be done, not without risk. But today's a day not to worry about that. It's to be aware of that and know the Mets brought a competitor, brought a champion, brought a winner. And they've changed the perception of this franchise to a destination now. What can they do with it? Can they close the deal? I don't think they need Steve Cohen and Steve Cohen's wife, like Andy Martino said, to close uh, a third starter or a fourth starter, but it makes it a hell of a lot easier when they know the commitment that's here and the fun that could be and the money you can make. Even if you come here for a short time and are successful, the money you can make by being successful here, by maybe parlaying that into a contract elsewhere. And I know that that doesn't always sit well with Mets fans who like these marriages and commitments and their guys to be their guys, but sports in 2021, soon to be 2022 is more mercenary than ever, more transitional than ever, more transactional than ever. Sit along, enjoy the ride, and when that banner goes up at City Field one day, and maybe some of the guys on that team are only there a year or two, and maybe they've had successes and their careers look a lot better in other uniforms than Mets uniforms, you're not going to care. And maybe Max Scherz is the beginning of all that. All right. want to thank everybody for tuning in for this midweek special edition of the Talking Mets podcast. Of course, you could check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, now Amazon Music, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. And check out our friends over at Fansided. We love being part of the Fansided Podcasting Network and our buddies over at RisingApple.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. I think we can finally take a breath. The lockout is much needed, I think, for us. It's been a wild two weeks here in Metsland. Until next time, take care, everybody.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.